Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome, everybody, to Beyond Surviving, a safe space for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to receive support, resources, and share their stories. Beyond Surviving is about freedom, healing, connection, and even laughter and fun. And most importantly, it's about letting go of the pain of abuse and finally moving on. So for those of you who don't know me or are joining for the first time tonight, I'm Rachel Grant, and I have been a sexual abuse recovery coach since 2007, and I'm also the author of Beyond Surviving, The Final Stage of Recovery from Sexual Abuse. I work with survivors who are sick and tired of feeling broken and unfixable, and I help them let go of the pain of the past and move on with their lives. You can learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving program at www.rachelgrantcoaching.com. So I'm really excited um, to have all of you here tonight with me and to to join in this conversation with my special guest, Woody Hagen, who is the founder of Wounded Child Coaching. And he's going to be sharing with us um, much about the wounded child's journey and how we can go from the victim mindset to one of self-love. And so before we get started with that, I want to just tell you a little bit more about Woody. Uh, He really founded his uh, coaching practice to help others who have experienced child abuse, as he did. And his recovery from that damage, you know, took took some time, you know, decades. And he really found that the psychological counseling and other conventional means didn't really help him. And that's mostly because their focus was on the damage and the deficiencies and placing blame. So his greatest breakthroughs really came from the coaching process, which saw him as sufficient and the past as a teacher. And coaching has really helped Woody release those things in his life that no longer serve him and embrace those things that keep him growing. And Woody now shares this wisdom with others through the same coaching process that has revolutionized his life. 
and he received his coaching training through the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching and is a certified professional coach and an Energy Leadership Index Master Practitioner, which sounds amazing. I can't wait to learn more about what that is. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was really excited to, to meet Woody and find Woody because we have this same um, experience of kind of going through the trenches of therapy and psychological assessment and all these things and just finding that it was not giving us what we needed. And so we had that in common starting out and then, you know, our passion for helping um, survivors. So when I met him and had the chance to get to know him a bit more and, and what he's doing, I just knew like I had to bring him on and have you guys uh, hear from him and learn from him. So Woody, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Well, Thank you, Rachel, and thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate yeah. being invited onto your show. Absolutely. So um, to get us started, what I'd love to to hear about is, you know, you've, you've come up with this, you know, way of talking about healing as the wounded child's journey. And um, can you tell us more about that, like what that really means and what that looks like? Um, when we start... I look at it as the healing process is that we all start at the beginning in this place of helplessness and hopelessness where we're victims. And as mm -hmm. abuse survivors, all of us have been in that place of just uh, utter helplessness when we're at the mercy of our abusers. And what I've done is I've sort of had this image of, a landscape and I see that the journey to healing is walking through this landscape so the, the I, I envision this image of in the foreground standing in quicksand while looking out at a, a, a barren landscape with an iron gate and on the other side this this rugged terrain and then a bridge going over a river, and on the other side of the river, this, you know, lush mountains and green fields. And I see that each part, I saw each part of um, that landscape sort of coincided with the different parts of the, you know, ha different levels of thought, different ways of thinking that mm. we have and that we have to go through almost as a linear mm -hmm. process, to get to the other side of that bridge. Right. So, so right. you know, we start off as victims. And, we're, you know, all of us are behind this gate, and this gate is the beliefs that we have that we can't heal. Mm -hmm. that we have these beliefs about ourselves that our abusers taught us, that they told us that we're unworthy. They told us that we're unlovable. They told us that they were useless, worthless, and we buy into those beliefs because we didn't know any better. If our parents or whoever right. it was that abused us taught us this, how could it be otherwise? And so one of the biggest steps of healing is uncovering what those false beliefs are that we have about ourselves. And mm -hmm. so I see that gate as... It's actually an unlocked gate, but we refuse to go through because we believe it's locked. So Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those... I'm sorry, I missed that. Oh, I just said, yeah, I agree. I agree with that, yeah. 
And so um, once we really understand, separate the false beliefs from what's true about ourselves, and we step out, we're now have this, now we're in the life that we're in as a result of what our past was, the circumstances that we find ourselves in. You know, so, Mm -hmm. you know, we may be faced with relationships that don't work out for us. We may have a lot of challenges in, you know, out in the world. So we have first the conflict with our circumstances, then the conflict with other people, um, and finally the realization that all conflict is really an inner conflict. And coming mm. to grips with the inner conflict, that's and taking responsibility for our healing is a yeah. toll that we pay to get onto the bridge in that image. Mm-hmm. And then right, and then the bridge, and then the bridge is it's going from first victim thinking to conflicted thinking and finally to reconciliatory thinking where we learn how to reconcile really with ultimately with ourselves and let go of the past so that we can come to a place on the other end of the bridge of loving ourselves because all Mm. healing really stems from self-love. Love that. Love that. Okay, so there's this this process that you're describing for us, and this resonates with me quite a bit. What I love about it was, you know, when I get to work with my colleagues who are kind of working in the same realm, how we kind of have are finding our ways to some of the same answers and describing it differently, but it, it's all, like, in the same camp, which gets me really excited because that means, like, we're on to something, right? And this is something that I talk about when I talk about the three stages of recovery. And you're similarly saying, like, look, folks, like, you're going through a process, right? You're starting at a certain point, and you're looking to get to another place. And all along the way, there are kind of these obstacles that get put in in the way. And we have to find our uh, a system and a process for getting around them. And I love that one of the very first things to notice is, well, shoot, that door isn't even locked, right? I get to step out of that space of hopelessness into what's next as soon as I am ready. And, you know, so one thing that I'm curious about, Woody, as you were thinking about, like, as you were coming into this image, you know, and struck by this image and how that really helped you think about and formulate this idea of how we move along this journey where, you know, this destination of self-love that I think is great. You know, how did you apply that to your own experience? You know, can you tell us a little bit about what you went through and how this way of thinking about it helped you um, get to that place of self-love? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess to start off with, you know, I was abused as a child that, you know, every way that I could have been abused. And, the, you know, my main mm-hmm. abuser was my father. And mm-hmm. I went through, um, I'm actually in my third marriage. But I, re- you know, repeated the relationships of my childhood 
you know, I, I, I married my father, you know, in my, my first marriage. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. You, know, in, you know, her personality was very much like my father's. Um, and she sort of drove home how worthless I was. And I believed that for, I was married to her for 13 years. Mm. My second marriage, out of the frying pan into the fire. It was even worse. Um, mm-hmm. And so it really wasn't until, you know, my life really didn't start changing until uh, after my second marriage where I started realizing, I, you know, I had to do a lot of introspection. And I... I, I was still bouncing around. It wasn't really until um, my in my third marriage, where I married somebody who believed in me more than I believed in myself, who and you mm-hmm. know who encouraged me, and we both had a common goal of we both you know to both of us one of our core values is growth inner growth inner growth mm-hmm. and healing. This sort of led, you know, I, I, I had a meandering past, but where the real change has happened is starting probably around five years ago, five, six years ago, a lot of it had to do with realizations about myself, being honest with myself, realizing that um, I wanted to know the truth about what happened to me you know, I have mm-hmm. many success memories, and I just right. started on this journey of first knowing the truth. I didn't want to just feel like the world. I, I didn't like being in this place where I felt like the world was in control, and you know, I was just the effect of whatever was happening around me. I wanted to be mm-hmm. in control of my life. And to do that, I had to really be honest with myself about what my, you know, what my contribution to what my circumstances were. I had to take responsibility right. for my own life. Um, and in doing, you know, just came to a lot of insights, and it really was once I started on my coach training that. Um, and the the whole idea of these levels of thought. I mean, this, my image is actually a a description of what you know. The school I went to talks about core energy, and mm. the um, the you know seven levels of energy. I sort of. The, the, this image is sort of based on that, and this whole idea of the different levels of, of thought. Uh, the, um, I just saw it as instead of this, I saw it as a, as a linear process of having to go through from the lowest level to to the highest level, and it's, yeah, I'm sort of. Looking back at my healing and how I grew mm-hmm. is really when once I saw you know once I saw that I had 
you know, sort of looking back and seeing that, the, you know, that I had grown past so much of, of what I grew up with, I mapped out what I had gone through. And that really is the basis of the wounded child's journey. Right. You know, that right. I, I saw how these choices I made, these, um, you know, saw the lies I bought into. I mean, I'll give you an example of one of the lies I bought into. Um, I, uh, growing up, I was told that I was tone deaf. Hmm. Uh, and my father, uh, this was in the, you know, in the early 60s, when, when color TVs finally were affordable enough, he said to me and my sisters, what do you want, a color TV or a piano? Hmm. And I wanted the color TV. My older sister wanted the color TV. My younger sister said the piano. He, he bought both. But because I wanted the color TV, I was never allowed to touch the piano. And oh, I, would get, I would get paddled for touching the piano. And oh. I begged for music lessons. No, you can't because your tone, you know, you, you wanted the color TV and you saw your tone deaf. And I would sneak in there and I would improvise, but I thought I was cheating. I thought I was faking it. You know, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I, I, I taught myself how to play, but I thought it wasn't real because I was tone deaf. Right. Um, another thing was that I was incapable in math. I was incapable in school and, and whatever. 2005, I graduated from Rutgers University um, with a 4.0 grade point average nice. at age 49. So, <laughs> you know, so my all of these lies that. I grew up with about myself that that were with me for well into my 40s, um, I started to debunk. Yeah, that's right. And and, And, and I realized that what is, you know, from the people I speak to, the people, you know, from my clients, we all, from what I see on my Facebook page, all of us wounded children have this, this set of lies about ourselves, these false beliefs right. that we've bought into yeah. that keep us trapped and keep us behind that gate. That's so true. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I'm being reminded of as you're sharing your story, Woody, and by the way, thank you just for giving us um, a look into kind of what your life has been like and some of the, the struggles that you've kind of faced and dealt with. As I think about, you know, the the experience of abuse, what I've discovered and what I've found over and over again is that the experience itself sucks. But what really ends up harming us at the end of the day and destroying our lives and holding us back and keeping us in this cycle that we get into over and over, year after year after year, is all exactly what you're saying, all the lies that we come to believe as a result of the abuse. <clears throat> everything that we <clears throat> sorry guys everything that we come to like distrust about ourselves or about others and that so much of the healing journey um exactly as you say is about stripping away those lies and seeing them recognizing them for the false 
hoods that they are, and then reconnecting, right, with that, who we really want to be. And I love what you said about how your your wife, you know, saw in you more than you could see in yourself. I just read this quote today that I love that was, um, to love a person is to see all of their magic and to remind them of it when they have forgotten. And I, I think all of us need, isn't that great? Oh, my it's gosh. Beautiful. And and I think all of us, you know, particularly as wounded kids, as you say, you know, we need people like that because we have a very hard time seeing our magic, right? And so um, I love this and that you've had people in your life who've spurred you on and, and pushed you to get out of that process. And, you know, you, you very particularly um, speak about self-love and that, you know, for you, this is the destination and um, that this is what you love to support your clients in, you know, being able to get to is this place of self-love. So, you know, talk to us a little bit about why that's so important. You know, why is that um, the end game in your mind? Until, uh, you know, I'm, you know, one of the, Great, you know, I, I'm not really a, a religious person, but mm. you know, there, you know, there's the golden rule: treat others as you'd, you know, uh, be treated. But there's, there's even a deeper one that says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, you yeah. know, in thinking about that, I realized that it's not even, you know, you cannot love your neighbor if you don't love yourself. Mm. So loving yourself becomes the linchpin for all love. So if you can't love yourself, then what kind of love do you bring into a relationship? How are you loving Mm -hmm. the other person if you don't love yourself? So I think that, Mm -hmm. um, and, and just about everybody uh, you know, all wounded children come from this place of uh, self-loathing. They've been taught to not love themselves. That you know that they're not worthy of love. Right. And yeah. when, when you're and when you're not worthy of love, then how do you love somebody else? What do you love them with? How do you sure. love somebody more than you love yourself? And what is the nature of the love that you're loving them? Mm. So, mm. so self-love really becomes the, you know, the, the the core of, you know, if we're ever going to be able to love another person, the love has to first start with ourselves. But instead, what we do is, you know, I, you know, think of of, of self-love. Think of yourself as a as a as a glass, and you fill this glass. What you're filling this glass with is self-love. And imagine, like, you know, how a coffee maker has a little thing on the side of it, that tube, that measures uh-huh. how much, what the level is uh, inside the coffee maker. Well, that mm-hmm. imagine that that tube on the side that measures that that's your self-esteem. So, whatever level your self-esteem is, is a really good indication of how much you love yourself. 
Mm. And if we could get ourselves right. to the point where we're loving ourselves, we have enough self-love that it's overflowing, then we could give of ourselves and give of our love from that overflow. Instead, what right. we do is we dole out whatever little self-esteem we have and we pour it into other people who don't reciprocate and they drain right. us dry. And right. we go into the cycle of relationships where, you know, we have these people that just, you know, we love because we're, it's in our nature. We want to give love. We, we, we hunger for love so much that we give love so freely. And we end up finding yeah. people that are very willing to take from us. And they drain us dry. Yeah. And when we're drained dry, they discard us and go find somebody else. And then mm-hmm. we go through years of just building up our self-esteem again and repeat the cycle. Right. But if we have right. self-love and we truly love ourselves, one, we're not going to attract into our lives people that take from us, take mm-hmm. our essence away. They're going to pour into the cup instead of taking away from it. Right. And right. so, well, self, so self-love really is it's it's crucial for ourselves and for our relationships and for every aspect of our lives absolutely yeah my cup runs over i love that analogy and and that imagery of that because so it's so true that we kind of end up falling into um, these patterns in our relationships when it comes to love, either exactly as you're talking about, oh, my goodness, like I'm just going to have to, the only way for me to have people in my life is if I give them everything and I have to constantly be taking care of them and I have to put my own needs and everything aside and it has to always be the outpouring. And you're right, when you have like a very low account, it's you know, you're going to be diminished and exhausted really quickly. And I think the other side of that, which I'm sure you speak to as well, is that the other piece that we get into is, well, I'm going to find somebody who's going to fill my cup, <laughs> right? But not oh, in a good absolutely. way. Absolutely. Not in a like I'm going to like oh if I you know they'll do this and I'm and constantly looking outside of yourself and and well if I have that relationship or if I have that job or if I get this thing, you know then I'll finally feel good enough. Then I'll finally feel worthy. And, man, that's a losing game, right? So what I really am tuning into and and really um, what really resonates with me as well that you're sharing with us is that at the end of the day, we do become responsible for things. And we do become responsible for our lives. And we have to take back that ownership. And it's a process to get there, to get to that point where you're ready for it and um, can do it. But part of stepping out of the wounded place and, you know, as you talk about, you know, from this place of being, you know, a victim and instead are in this place where you are the author of your life, you know, part of that become is about becoming responsible for your worth and your love. And then anything else that anybody else adds is just like bonus, (laughs) but it's not like the end all be all. Is that kind of what you're saying? Oh, absolutely. Self-responsibility mm. is, is if, if you cannot take responsibility for your life and for your healing, you cannot heal because mm. no one's going to do it for you. Right. Right. You know, and, yeah. uh, and um, 
Well, sorry, what, one it's of the so, questions that comes to mind, no, that was really powerful, and that's exactly right. And it's also going back and remembering, you know, being in that place where being so scared and so hopeless and can I do this, and maybe you try things and they don't work, and it seems like nothing you do makes anything makes any difference. So, like, you're trying to be responsible. You're trying to do something, and it just doesn't seem to be working. You know, what are you noticing in – uh, in your work are some of the things that people really bump up against when it comes to starting that journey. Like how do you, the gate is there and yes, the gate is unlocked, but what, what are you finding has to kind of be the, like what's the secret sauce that can help people step through that gate you know, because it's really just their fears and all these lies and things that are holding them back from that. So, you know, is there anything that you would say if there's somebody who's listening tonight who's like, yeah, I get it, and I have to take this journey and I need to do these things, but I don't care if that gate's open. It still feels like it's a zillion miles high, and I just don't have what it takes to get to the other side and to walk through and start this process. That's a really, really good question. <laughs> Um, I, I talk a lot about how we cannot go by what we feel. You know, mm. so once our, our feel, you know, if we wait to feel like healing, if we wait to feel like now it's time, we'll be ba- we'll be waiting for the rest of our life. We Holy can't shit, you're exactly wait right. for it. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, we have to want it. We have to have it mm-hmm. decide it's a do or die. I am going to go for that green land on the other side of that bridge. I don't care what it takes. I don't care how hard it is. I am going to do it. I don't care how long mm-hmm. it takes. And that's, you know, that's the other thing. A lot of times people want the quick fix. They, you know, they, they want to be able to, okay, get from here to there without everything in between. And it's, right. it, just doesn't work that way you know it's like when you plant the seed in the ground you can't keep on digging up the ground to see whether the seed is growing you have to wait Mm -hmm. until it breaks the surface and every seed has Mm -hmm. its own period you know some seeds may sprout in a week some seeds may take two months and you just have to you have to water it and wait you have to do the work and wait. Um, yeah. You have, and you have to per, and you have to persist. You know, yeah. you cannot give up. And well, I think a yeah. lot of times people give up because of what they feel. And yeah. Your feelings I think are that's always right, going to your feelings are always going to be opposite of what it is that you're you're, you're striving for. That feeling that you yeah. want that 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 you, you know that you hope that one day has you're not going to have it while you're getting it. Right. Well said. Yeah, you know, and this is something that I certainly, um, you know, I work with a lot of my clients around in the beginning because it's like, okay, we've got to, you know, have the door cracked enough on the believing that change is possible, but at the end of the day, you're going to be scared and you're going to be doubtful and you're going to have all these thoughts and all these feelings because why? Well, you've been practicing for many, many, many years you know, these thoughts and these beliefs. Mm -hmm. 
And, uh, which, you know, so a lot of times when I'm working with a client initially and they're thinking, well, I need to go think about this. I go, okay, just remember, you're going to be thinking with the same brain that got you, that's been doing the thinking for the last 20 years. It's like, and feeling with the same emotions that have been feeling for the last 20 years. It's like, it's not that we want to distrust ourselves and our intuitions, but at some point we've just got to say, all right, you know what? whatever, shut up, I'm going and I'm going to do it and I'm going to see what happens. And I think you make a really brilliant point that sometimes the healing, it it, it sometimes hurts more than it feels Mm -hmm. good at the beginning because you're finally letting yourself, you know, talk about things and notice things that you've been spending most of your life running from. But that doesn't mean you aren't getting better. And it does take that persistence to get there you know one of my clients today said well what I'm most proud of today is that I haven't run away you know I haven't quit because I've done that over and over and over again that is huge that's so huge yeah you know it's like um I like to tell my clients you know that, that it takes more energy to move a train from a standing position to its first micro than it does for it to run for a mile at full speed. Yeah. That in the very, yeah. very beginning, the amount of resistance that you're going to have to start moving, it, you know, that's why starting is the most courageous thing you could do. It's the hardest mm-hmm. thing you could do. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, um, and, you know, that journey of healing doesn't, you know, doesn't happen unless you start. So the starting... Right is really the, you know, great cause for celebration. You may not feel anything. You don't see the results yet, but you've started. Yeah, that's right. And I know that, um, Woody, one of the things that we have in common as well is a real love of how um, the the body and the brain are all integrated into, into what we're talking about, right? How... Um, mm-hmm. the nervous system and the neurological in neurology um, kind of comes in and informs this journey, right? Because exactly what we're saying, if you take it down to the neurological level now, is the brain has been become wired for particular thoughts or particular responses. And so when you try to step into something, when you try to step through that gate, the brain and the nervous system really goes, wait a minute, I don't know what you're doing here. That doesn't compute with anything that we have on file. So never mind. Sit down. <laughs> so, oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. So what do you? What are, you know? How do you integrate the nervous system into the the work that you do? What have you discovered about that that you love and and that has made a difference in how you kind of support survivors in their healing? Well, uh, I, I sort of like. You know, with with my diet, you know, with my my image, that that barren land is you know the, the uh, is really controlled by our, our our sympathetic nervous system, the fight or flight part of our nervous system, mm-hmm. and that's what we've been programmed. That you know, as wounded children, our sympathetic nervous system is always on. We were hypervigilant right. as children. And that hypervigilance has followed us throughout our entire lives. You know, we, mm-hmm. we're, we're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. 
we're always on guard mm-hmm. against the next heartbreak, against this, whatever. Something good is going in our, on in our lives. We're waiting for the bad to happen because it always has. So right. we're always on this high alert for disaster. Um, and so we're, you know, we're under stress because when our sympathetic nervous system is turned on, we're pumping stress hormones into our bloodstreams. And mm-hmm. which is why so many wounded children, so many survivors of abuse um, have autoimmune diseases. You know, our, right. our bodies attacking our bodies because we are always pumping these stress hormones into our bodies. Um, so, the you know, and on the flip side, on the other side of that bridge is the parasympathetic nervous system, which handles resting and digesting. You know, that's the part mm-hmm. of our nervous system that gives us the endorphins, the feel-good hormones. And so, right. the, you know, the goal is, is when, you know, once we get to that place of self-love, we're also going to be feeling a lot better over there. The reason why mm-hmm. we don't mm-hmm. feel good over here is because we still are pumping those stress hormones into our bloodstreams. So our feelings are so tied into uh, our, our nervous system, um, you know, which is why we don't, you know, uh, you know, I I don't feel it because, well, what you feel right. is what your nervous system is doing. That's right. Yeah, you know, this is a really, uh, I, I love this piece because um, what we have to understand is that, you know, abuse impacts us on, you know, multiple levels, right? And when we have a system that's become dysregulated, out, out of balance as a result of trauma and abuse, um, our journey is one of reaching this place of self-love. And then another way of saying that is we now have a regulated system, like all systems go. Everything is working again as it should, yeah. Oh, lo- and what's I really fascinating. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And yeah, yeah. Feel free to take it. I give you permission. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, and so what, what's really fascinating is uh, as we're going through that journey, you know, the everything in our body and our brain tries to fight it, right? And I think this is part of why you and I love the coaching modality so much is because we get to really get in there in the trenches and go, wait a minute, we're not going to sit here and just chatter and talk about how you're feeling freaked out. I get, I get it, but now here's what you can do about that. Right, and really getting in there and giving skills and tools and systems that people can take and begin applying, you know, so that they can come out of that state and and move into those things that they really want to be able to do and feel. Yeah, absolutely. Really cool. I mean, you know, in you know, when I was going to psychologists or uh, social workers or whatever. You know, the focus was always on the damage. The focus was always on mm-hmm. what was done to me, the abuser, the abuse. Mm-hmm. And, that mm-hmm. kept, you know, that kept me there. You, you, you know, yeah. all you talk about is what happened to you. You're never able to talk about what you want to become. Right. right. And I love yeah, the coaching you know, process. Oh, go ahead. 
I love the coaching process because it's oh, it takes you from where you are right now and doesn't look at you as being deficient. And yeah. it doesn't look right. at you as needing to be fixed. It just looks yeah. at you, well, you're doing things and thinking things that are counterproductive. What can we change? How can we look at it differently mm-hmm. so that what you're doing works for you? Right. So it's very empowering. Uh, the, the, the coaching process is very empowering where I, I always found therapy to be disempowering. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I, I think for me what I've come, where I've landed on, the, on it all is that, that therapy, I think, serves, can serve a very important role for a very particular part of the process. Mm-hmm. But at a certain, namely, being able to finally just talk about and acknowledge and you're not really trying necessarily to shift a lot, but you want to have a place, a safe space where you can go and connect and be human and be real about what you've gone through. What I try to um, get across to my my clients and folks is that at, at some point, however, which is similar to what you, what you're saying, that the talking about it and the revisiting it, the the rehearsing it really at some point actually starts to do more harm than good on a neurological basis because you're continuing to reinforce those beliefs if you're not starting to get the skills and tools for how to shift them, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that is why, you know, both you and I are kind of talking about, look, there is a process and there is a journey. Please don't get stuck at any one step, mm-hmm. except self-love and happiness. <laughs> right, Get right. stuck there. I mean, you know, if you're going to get you know, stuck wait, anywhere, wait. get stuck there. I mean, you, you just brought to mind, you know, I talked about I am statements. You know, mm-hmm. you know our, we have that, that inner critic that's always speaking those I am statements to us. I am yeah. unworthy. I am incapable. incapable and... Um, one of the things that, you know, one of the dangers that you know, we get with, with always looking back is that we then become our I am statement becomes whatever our symptoms yeah. are. You know, I am yeah. PTSD. I am this. I am that. And the labels that are used, we be, you know, we identify with those labels. And right. they become right. something that we're, that, you know, that you know, that we, we're stuck back there. And, exactly. That's right. You know, and, you know, for me, one of the things in that, you know, my image of the bridge is to get to the other side, you know, just imagine all these things that are like the labels, the I am statements. These are all things, like they all have a string that we're holding on to. You know, and they're mm-hmm. anchoring us to this side. And to get to the other side, at some point, we got to let go of those strengths. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's so good. Yeah, really beautifully, really beautifully said. And um, I think you know, really, what you know, the bottom line, I think, of what you're sharing is that wherever you are in your journey, wherever you are in your process, it's okay. Like that's where you are. Recognize where you are, tune into that, and then get the support and the care that you need in order to take that next step. 
And I know one of the ways that people can do that is certainly by um, working with you or listening to some of the great things that you have um, created and put together. So I want to take a minute here to just tell you all how you can um, find out more about Woody's work and um, get connected with him. Um, You can email Woody at w h a i k e n at woundedchildcoaching.com. You can certainly go to his website, woundedchildcoaching.com, or on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash woundedchild. And um, definitely go uh, check out his... um, check out his website um, where you can uh, get the first video of his program, uh, The Wounded Child's Journey, so you can kind of build on what you've been learning and what you've been hearing today and, and kind of see a little bit more, you know, Woody in action, so to speak. Um, anything you want to add to that, Woody? Um, yeah, it's uh, Facebook is Wounded Child Coaching. My apologies. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and on my Facebook page, right in the in the banner, um, there's a button where you know, it says, you know, click here for the free video. And that video is actually the first part of this, of this Wounded Child's Journey that I've been speaking about. And it goes into the image in great detail what the different steps are, um, and really gives a, 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 a very good overview of that whole process. Mm-hmm. So I, mm-hmm. I really would encourage people to, you know, click that button on the Facebook page and see the video. Right, um, right. Good call. What I love about all of this at the end of the day is that this is, a, you know, we all have to start in this place of overcoming our fear and overcoming our our hiccups and our the constraints and the obstacles. And at the end of the day, we have to really notice what's at stake if we don't overcome those obstacles. And the the beautiful thing about it is that there are people here and available to support you and to guide you and to help you on that journey. So I really encourage you guys to go and connect with Woody, learn more about what he's doing. You can certainly always visit me at rachelgrantcoaching.com to find more resources. So um, until then, uh, please take very good care of you and yours. And Woody, thank you so very much for being here tonight. It's been a really great pleasure. And thank you. It's been wonderful. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.